Overall, I'd say the future of international development, at least of any any RPCV that's sort of, you know, that would be listening to this or interested, is to be a highly adaptable generalist. Good afternoon and welcome to The Jobs with Jody, a podcast produced by the NPCA's Global Reentry Program. I'm your host, Jody Hammer, Global Reentry Career Services Specialist with the National Peace Corps Association, and I'm excited to be here today with some very special guests. Today's podcast is dedicated to the international development field and will include seasoned professionals with expertise in various aspects of international development, as well as a representative from the Society for International Development, the Washington chapter, the largest membership-driven organization of its kind in the field. Our guests will be chatting about their careers, their tips, uh, strategies to perhaps get into the field, and many other topics that others are very interested in hearing about. So we just feel really lucky to have with us um, this this panel here today. We have we have three different guests, and so I want to go ahead and just start by introducing our first guest, Denise Wales, who's the training and capacity building specialist with Panagora Group. And she has a master's in public management from the University of Maryland, and she's a very versatile international development professional with over 26 years of experience in the field. So lots of good experience to share here today. Her focus has been on strengthening democracy and governance in transitioning societies with an emphasis on voice and accountability programming and in those kinds of areas. She's lived in and managed programs in a variety of geographic locations with long-term assignments in Indonesia, Afghanistan, Kosovo, and Slovakia. So some very interesting geographic uh, places as well that you've worked. She has a very strong background and specialized skills in program design, proposal writing, project management, as well as in finance and operations. So she's a perfect guest for this program. Welcome, Denise, and thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me, Jody. I'm really looking forward to this discussion. Great. Well, wonderful. Well, I want to just have you start by, I'm really excited to hear a little more about your own background. And uh, if you can maybe tell us a little more about your journey into and throughout the field of international development, and maybe touch on the impact that your own Peace Corps service in uh, Slovakia, right, Mm -hmm. had on that. Um, I would say my Peace Corps experience was uh, extremely formative. I, that really, I, I, you know, in college, I studied international affairs and I did a semester abroad. Um, but it was Peace Corps that really um, ignited my passion for international development. I would, I would say it's, it's still, it's still probably one of my favorite jobs um, after all this time. Um, just, That's true for most of us, I think, from Peace Corps. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you just really learn, you, yeah, you learn a lot about yourself. I think uh, you learn a lot about other people and how to work with them and, and find your way in through uh, different contexts and different cultures. And I, I think it does really prepare you for, um, for the, for, you know, the journey in international development. Um, from there, I started working and I was in Slovakia. We were just chatting earlier at the time of the democratic transition, uh, it was, you know, Czechoslovakia and then Czechoslovakia split and um, Slovakia became its own country. So I was actually part of the group that was the very first group that was 
uh, only for Slovakia. Uh, so it was a very interesting time and really got me interested in democracy and governance. Um, <clears throat> and so when I came back, I, uh, I looked in the newspaper for a job. <laughs> Uh, which is probably one of the last times people did that, <laughs> and, and found a job working for a nonprofit organization called the International Foundation for Election Systems uh, that was working in Eastern Europe on, on you know, de other democratic transitions. Um, and that just really, um, yeah, went from there. I learned a lot. I was in the field. I was in headquarters. Um, as you said, I've done a variety of roles. Um, I really do like variety. I, you learn a lot. I, I call myself an expert generalist, I think, at this point. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's that's like a perfect title, right? Expert generalist. And, and I will say the other title that I love that you've given yourself is your tagline on your LinkedIn profile. I know when I was preparing and looking at your, your profile, I absolutely love your tagline saying, passionate about doing good well well thank you yeah i and i i feel strongly about that right i think you know we want to do good um good work in this world um and 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 want to do it well right we want it to be um a, a good contribution to our beneficiaries lives and you know for me as working primarily with usaid funding um we have a we're accountable for US taxpayers dollars. So we, we want to make sure that we are delivering on that. Exactly. You are absolutely held accountable. And so yes, you not only want to do well, you need to do well, right? And and I think a lot of your experience, it it seems you were do, you were a contractor for many years working in international development, but from one contract to the other, which is a whole different aspect that I think is really interesting um, having you here. And I think now you're working you're a full-time staff, is that right? In Panagora Group, yeah. That's right. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And now I'm. Um, yeah, I was, was the last four years. I was doing consulting, and so working um, on a variety of different organizations. And then um, really found this opportunity to um, to come back to training. Right. I was an English uh, English teacher in in Slovakia, and really do enjoy training and working with people who are coming up in the field. And so uh, this is a nice opportunity for me to, to be able to share what I've learned over all these years. Absolutely. No, that is that is great. And it's really exciting to meet people who are really excited about their work, right, and doing well and and working hard and, and making affecting change, all of those kinds of things, as as you clearly have done in both your consulting roles and and more recently. So tell me a little more about Panagora, uh, your, your most recent one that you've joined and and your role there. It's back to training. So you said you've been, you know, a, a you know, English teacher, all of those kinds of training kinds of things. And this is training. What is the population that you're really focusing on in this position? Um, yeah, it's actually focused on right now. We're focused on internal um, audience, really. It's our program staff. Okay. Uh, those are managing uh, USAID funded um, contracts. Um, it's just Panagora Group is a small women-owned business. It's 10 years old. Um, and the last started to see a lot of growth in the last few years. Uh, it had started working uh, as a subcontractor, so to other or, or organizations helping them do their work. But then right. 
recently started, I probably in the last, yeah, two, two to three years being a pro, what's called a prime contractor, right? So having direct contracts with USAID and having field offices. So it's really grown and it's you know, helped. So I, they brought me on to help them um, build the capacity of their program management team and the various aspects of, you know, everything, uh, managing a contract, uh, yeah. financial management is one we're working on, right? Managing the budget, um, making sure you're tracking your timelines and deliverables, um, all that that goes into to, to good program management. Wonderful. No, that's, that's great. And it uh, sounds like your current organization, they have, they're doing work internationally, you know, in, in many different you know, areas, um, where would you say is the, is there a primary area that they focus on region or did you say it's, it's all over the world and are there opportunities for people who work with them to then be living abroad in those countries? So, yeah, so they have started um, having field offices. And so there's a field office in um, South Africa, Colombia, uh, and Philippines, um, okay. those are the main ones. And the, they work in two main areas right now is global health is one. And then also um, monitoring, evaluation, and learning. Uh, oh, USA sure. really been starting to grow its, um, its capacity and, and focus on monitoring evaluation over the last few years. And so they've, uh, this Pentagora has a few contracts helping the USAID mission and country with doing that strategic thinking about the portfolio and what's making sure they're understanding what's working, what's not working and how to adapt that, their programming. Wonderful, no, that's great. Um, from your perspective, what would you say? I mean, you're a seasoned, as you said, a seasoned uh, professional in the, in the international development sector. What would you say is what you like the most about working in international development? And then I'd love you to share on the flip side, what in your perspective is one of or more of the challenges, the biggest challenges working in the field? What do I like? I really, I really enjoy being able to work with um, different people, different and work in different cultures. It's always a challenge. Um, what I really, and I would, say a plug for Peace Corps is learning a language really helps you um, not just communicate in that particular context where you're working, but it helps you think about how you communicate, right? You have your, right. you always have the right words. So you have to think about how do I get my message across? And I think that that really helps you become um, flexible because, which is something you really do need in, in this industry, I would say, um, working with so many different people and, and trying to communicate uh, and get your message, you know, to help them um, understand what, what you're trying to do uh, and, sure. what they, and what they want to do. Right. Um, so your other question was what's most challenging? What, what, what about international development, the field is maybe the most challenging in your perspective? Um, a couple things. I think, to be honest, the biggest one is, it, you know, we are part, working for USAID, you are still part of the US government's foreign policy uh, framework, oh, yes. right, and, and trying to meet those objectives. So inevitably, politics does does come into play. So that can be a challenge um, in terms of, you know, have 
budgeting and resourcing international development? What are the, the priorities of the administration that they're going to focus on in international development? So that that's something you 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 know people you need to learn and, and uh, understand and, and navigate. Um, and that's tied, and then that's also tied with sort of. I think the other challenge is the resourcing of it. There's, um, you know, not it ever seems like enough funding um, for what needs to be done. Of course, there's never enough funding, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably in any aspect of our lives, but, <laughs> but plenty of paperwork and bureaucracy, <laughs> yes, as, well, as we all say, right. Well, great. Um, and can can you tell, I guess, in, in your mind, if you, what do you wish you had known when you were just starting off fresh in the field of international development? What, what do you think would have impacted you or changed maybe some type of approach you took in international development? Lessons to your past self. <laughs> That's a that's a good question. Um, I know that there are many things. I'm sure. Um, I think what I I did. I wish maybe I had done better was networking. Um, and I would another plug for uh, the Peace Corps is I I really did appreciate that former Peace Corps volunteers were willing to um, to talk with me and do uh, informational yes. interviews. Uh, I don't know if you remember, there's like a, a yellow book, I think, of Peace Corps <laughs> volunteers, return oh, yeah. volunteers who were- There yeah. used to be a physical book, yeah. blue or yellow, yellow initially and then blue, and now, you know, and then it became digital. And it was yeah, um, but I think, yeah, it's it's good to to talk with as many people as you can and really kind of understand what, what the path, the possible paths are. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, and didn't you find that RPCVs were very open to like, you know, people are afraid to connect. So like, oh, I don't want to bother people. They're busy. But you reach out. And I mean, more often than not, my experience is people, you know, they love the talk because it's like, wow, they want to hear about me or they want to. And, and it's, it's family. Like this is your family, your peaceful exactly. family. And it's huge. It's 200,000 plus people. So tap into it because networking, as I always am saying, and I feel like I'm just, you know, you know, preaching this, you know, network, 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 but it really is crucial, right? Because Absolutely. in today's world, a majority of positions are gotten through or learned about through networking. So um, it's, it is important. Very much so. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, I, I was lucky in that I applied to an advertisement, but yeah, more often than not, it's um, somebody lets you know about a position um, and helps you, you know, and, and recommends you to the, uh, exactly. with the organization. Mm -hmm. Right, right. It's that's wonderful. Well, great. And then I guess, you know, I, I would love your perspective in terms of because you've worked and had experience with so many different, you know, international development organizations and, and such for, for many years. Uh, what, who would you say are the biggest players now or, and not just biggest in size, but maybe, you know, in light of today's, like, what are we focusing on more today versus before? And who are the biggest players in, in that, in those subsets or subsectors within international development? So I would, well, there's a lot of 
funding now for health and specifically you know, COVID and I think and not just I think it won't just be COVID but when we see the next wave of a similar situation so I think there'll be a lot of attention on that and there always has been attention on global health um, so I would say that's going to stay um, what I'm seeing a lot of, and again, this I'm more focused on USAID, um, sure. but I do see them, read, they do have been, oh, even over the past two administrations, I would say there's been an effort to diversify their partners. Um, you probably, people have heard the term Beltway Bandit, that there's a lot of oh, yes. the, usual, the usual players. Um, but they are making a concerted effort to uh, diversify and have um, smaller businesses or, <clears throat> or even businesses that maybe weren't necessarily in the international development space, uh, local organizations, so looking to the countries that they're working in for national um, organizations. Yeah. So I think, yeah, there is a lot of opportunity. Um, so I would, I would follow that. The other uh, area that was, I think, will continue, and is because it's it has always been around is um, private sector engagement, but not just about. I think the emphasis has been really a, a partnership with the private sector versus them bringing funding into something. I, I think that that's I could see that continuing. Um, sure. Sure. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for sharing your perspective. And I really appreciate your willingness to stay around, uh, stick around and, and potentially in the end, uh, answer some other questions for all the panelists. Um, before we move on to our next guest, we're going to take a very quick station break. This is Jobs with Jody, a podcast produced by NPCA's Global Reentry Program, serving the RPCV population worldwide. My guests today include professionals from the international development arena as we explore careers in international development. My next guest is Scott Webb from Middlebury Institute of International Studies at Monterey. And Scott is, he brings a very unique perspective to this panel with 15 plus years of specialized experience, including nearly eight years in you know, international development humanitarian relief at, at, in that area as well as specialized experience with human resources and operations, you know, uh, program backstopping, program management, you know, compliance and, and contract auditing. So he can speak to a wealth of different kind of, if you will, jobs and job subsets within the international development field, which I think is really important because many times people uh, think of international development, they only think of the field position, program manager, you know, that type of thing. There's so much more to, to international development than, that, than just that. So Scott has actually been a recruiter three times in his life, and he's reviewed thousands of resumes and CVs. And he's interviewed hundreds of people for a variety of positions. So he's also got great insight as to what are they looking for. And believe me, you, Scott, I'm going to be tapping that here as we as we chat a little bit for your tips and advice for all of the folks, you know, in our realm who are trying to get into international development, right? So right yeah, no, it's great. And, and he's also traveled to over 30 countries and worked in 12, and uh, in particular in Francophone Africa. So Scott, um, Scott's roles have included working with Catholic Relief Services, you know, where he was a technical advisor for emergency human resources. 
Uh, he also, and that was actually my counterpart organization, Scott, when I was in Peace Corps Ecuador. So oh, there really? you go. And he was also uh, a senior program officer for East Africa for Relief International, another big player, you know, and managed their Sudan and South Sudan portfolio. And then he has five years of, of international relief uh, and development IRD experience, which is yet another big player, right, in, in international development. But what I find most interesting is Scott started as a recruiter, and that's when I met Scott, when he was a recruiter for Peace Corps and uh, spent several years doing that and was a great recruiter. And we had contact then and have stayed in touch, and he's gone on to do many other great things. He's also an RPCV having served uh, with his wife in uh, Niger from 97 through 2001. So just after you and I, Denise, <laughs> wonderful. So because of Scott's range of experience, he really knows the international development industry and is familiar with so many different aspects of it. So I'm excited to talk with him. Uh, Scott, thank you for being here, for joining us and for your willingness to share your expertise. Thanks, Jody. No, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for the a uh, long introduction. <laughs> I, I don't <laughs> know if share, I've worked out to my introduction. For, for all of you, so <laughs> great. Um, so Scott, I would love it if you can, you know, you've had such an interesting journey in international development, right? And it's brought you through many of the big players in the ID world. Uh, and then most recently into the higher education arena where you work instead with advising, as I understand it, students who are the future of the international development practitioners and you advise them on how to get jobs in that field. So can you tell me a little bit more about your journey? I think I shared a lot of it, but you know, you can tell me a little more about your journey and then how you came into this most recent position where it's, it's a, clearly a change in focus. Yeah, oh, thanks, Jody. Um, yeah, real quick, I was, I was looking at Denise's background and uh, it appears we worked at IRD at the same time. It's now called Bluemont, but uh, no. she was working this then. Yeah, you're on the Roads program. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's the truth. It is a small world. <laughs> yep. And with some of these big organizations, you just, there's not a lot of contact with the other, right, divisions. Yeah, I mean, that that happened to coincide with like kind of the, the zenith of IRD when they were like, you know, the second or third biggest, biggest. U.S. implementing partner, uh, yeah. at least on nonprofits. And, and she was on this like, you know, $500 million Afghanistan roads <laughs> program. Um, and, you know, when we had hundreds of, of field staff. Right. Um, I was always headquarters based. So I, you know, I'm sorry, Denise, we never had a chance to meet when we worked at IRD together. Um, Glad. Nice to meet you now. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Never too late. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, my journey, I um, when I came out of Peace Corps, I had thought I want to be field based. You know, I wanted to be more like someone like Denise, you know, someone who you know is getting field based, um, you know, being posted in you know developing countries and working you know, with directly with people um but just with our family circumstances and such um we decided to be u.s based um so after i was a peace corps recruiter i really wanted more experience you know just at the time i was still kind of focused on the field but uh when i when i got my master's in public administration at the middlebury institute then called the monterey institute of international studies now it's the middlebury institute of international studies we merged with middlebury college wow. in vermont uh several years ago um but uh i really I, I wanted to get you know program management experience um academically and then you know really try and apply it um around the time um 
I was graduating from my MPA. We were learning that my oldest daughter uh, is autistic and she has special needs. At the time, there was a lot of um, sort of unknowns about like you know her health and and capacity to do certain things. Now she's doing amazing. She's got like a four point three GPA and she's thriving oh in gosh. high school and everything's great. So, um, you know, I don't want to make it you know necessarily that you know it was a disadvantage, but it, it focused it made us focus on being you know based in the United States. Sure. So uh, when I graduated from my MPA, I got I got offered the job as a recruiter at IRD. I got offered that job because I had been a recruiter for Peace Corps for three years. Yeah. Um, recruiting for Peace Corps was very, very different than recruiting for an NGO because recruiting for Peace Corps is like you're just all about. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> you want people to do Peace Corps. You're trying to get people to do Peace Corps. You're trying to retain right. them so that they don't you know, drop off uh, in the in the long at that time, a very long application process. Right. Uh, and so. Um, when I got a job as a recruiter for an NGO, it's like about saying no all the time because you'll have you know, 150, 200, 300 applicants for a position, right. maybe shortlist 20 that you, know, that you really want to look at. And then that shortlist gets whittled down to maybe like 10 or five that the hiring manager really wants to focus on. Right. And then so, you know, I'm, I'm basically rejecting most of those people. Uh, so that was a big adjustment. Um, but as far as like my adjustment, you know, to this current job, kind of more focused on your question, my, I was, um, my, my sort of personal compromise in, in developing my international development career, uh, was that I would be headquarters based, but I would still get to travel. That was part of the coolness of working in international development for me is sort of that little bit of adventure and, um, and being able to go out and experience the field a little bit and, and be closer. And it's important for a headquarters person to go visit the field and see Absolutely. the context um, and, and what's really going on. And so I, you know, I was traveling a lot. I was, um, you know, anywhere between, you know, 30, 25 to 40% during, during my career. And that, wow. that, that final uh, 15 months or so that I worked for CRS, um, I was on the humanitarian response team and they, they actually let me work from home. Uh, and so we took that as an opportunity to flee the Washington DC area. I lived in Fairfax, Virginia, and we moved uh, back to uh, the Monterey area in California where we lived when I was going to the, the Middlebury Institute. A lovely uh, move, so, by the way. Yeah, I got to work from home. It was at, for a, like a hot minute, this was like the most ideal situation I could ever think of. I got to stay in international <laughs> development, yet live five blocks nice. from you know where my background is right here. Nice, um, oh my gosh. Know. So. Um, so that was really good for a while, except, you know, it was heavy travel. So the, the Nepal earthquake happens on a Saturday and by Tuesday, I'm on a plane and gone for four weeks. Yep. And I would, That's I would plan for trips and, and, and always be gone for four or five. And, and that never felt like enough. I mean, that's, and frankly, that's one of the reasons I ended up eventually leaving CRS is because I felt like the job needed me to be out there more and, and to, right. to be more sort of volunteering to stay as long as it took and things like that. Whereas, you, you know, with my family, I was missing birthdays and holidays, yeah. and, you know. You've got family obligations and other things that are equally important and it can't be all about, you know, work. I mean, I think there's a exactly. time in people's life where maybe that's true when they're first starting out and they're, maybe they don't have those commitments and they can just go and they want to do that. They want to be in the field as much as they can and, you know, get all this great experience. But there comes a time and, and day when, like you, you, you have to put other things first or at least equal, right? to it and, and make those decisions. So, so then you made the decision to, to go back to um, basically the institution that you'd studied at, uh -huh. but in a role where you are now. I'm advising, advising students. 
Yeah. So um, it's funny. This is the only place I think I would ever take a job like this because um, I believe in the Institute. Uh, I think, you know, yeah. we've got great faculty and a, a really good program, especially now uh, we're really focused a lot on social justice, um, nice. the environment, um, you know, um, the decolonization of aid, uh, things like that. Uh, so, you know, I really um, feel aligned, you know, kind of with the mission of the the organization. I mean, not just not just the Middlebury Institute, but like Middlebury writ large. I mean, we're really, um, yeah. you know, focusing on you know sending people out into the world with a, a pretty good um, mindset. Um, but yeah, you know, it's an interesting job because I'm a, both an academic and career advisor. So I I move people through their degree program, helping them choose their classes, making sure they're on track, that kind of thing. Yeah. But I get to choose their classes or help them choose their classes based on my personal and professional experience. Um, where I say, you know, these classes would be helpful to you so that uh, eventually when you're in a role as a young program officer or a, you know, a fellow in the field or, you know, some kind of associate program officer role, um, this is what will be helpful to you. Um, and so, and it's been good. I've been, I've been able to maintain connections with people like you, Jody, and, you know, to get to meet people like, um, like Denise and Paul. Yeah, and, and others, you know, from other NGOs. Uh, I, I still have come to DC several times in the last um I've been in this job for about five and a half years now. Right. So this is my sixth year doing this. So every year I've gone to Washington, most years, <laughs> other than COVID years. Of course. <laughs> uh, I've gone to Washington, DC, um, you know, on a, our spring break networking trip. So I've gotten to go visit NGOs and things like that. And, you know, I'm hoping to, um, you know, come again next year. Absolutely. Uh, Fingers crossed. You know, so so tell me, you you said you you know work a lot with advising students and such. So so for our wealth of RPCVs that say they want to work in international development, because that's the reality, right? From my twelve years of experience, now thirteen, working with RPCVs, what do they say they want to do when they come back? It's international development, and that's as I've said before, and I'm a broken record. That's whether or not they really know what international development even is. And so when I talk to them more about it, and I'll say. You know, so tell me what you mean by this. What what specifically? It gets down to basically, well, I basically want to do Peace Corps with the paycheck. <laughs> Which I think you can attest, and you too, Denise, that right. this is not the Peace Corps with the paycheck type of environment. There is 100%. nothing that's exactly like Peace Corps. Yeah, I think you'll never... Yeah, um, my mentor at Ms. was this amazing RPCV named Beryl Levenger. Uh, she's actually the founder and creator of the... Uh, Coverdell Fellows program. Oh, the wow. Fellows program. Yeah, it was her thing. Cool. Uh, she just retired from the Institute last year. Um, but I remember her saying early on, you know, right before I got my master's, I took a class that she taught on development project management, which she still does with Root Change, by the way. Oh, that's great. Um, yeah. Um, an NGO called Root Change. Uh, in any case, uh, she was saying, you know, because there was a lot of RPCVs in, in these classes and we have a lot of RPCVs at MIS. Um, yeah. And um, she was saying, you're never, ever going to be as close. And you kind of shouldn't be. I mean, you should be in that, you know, it's, it's good to, to have connection and to understand. Um, but as an expatriate, especially, you know, as an American, yeah. you really want to be more of like a, like a, like a maven, like a, a connector, like someone who's uh, enabling and, and, and capacity building, but, you know, letting the local people drive everything and be the face yeah. of, of, of the whole entire right. operation. So you're never truly gonna be as close to, you know, the beneficiaries as, or, right. you, you know, beneficiaries is even kind of like a loaded term. Right. Um, 
but you're never gonna be as close to the action as, as you were as a Peace Corps volunteer when you're really you know, focusing on integrating and, and learning and, and just really digging into like your one little corner of the world. Exactly. And, you know, on the one hand, although I feel like I'm bursting their bubble by saying this, it's like there just there really isn't anything exactly like it. Now, there's a lot of really great things that are going to be amazing in other ways and and probably in, in some ways even better, maybe or equal to. But there's nothing that's going to be exactly like it. Um, so my my preface and we've gotten to this discussion, my my question that I wanted to come back to you was so for your students as they're graduating or going doing their job search in international development, what are the biggest tips or strategies you give them to be competitive in you know this market that is very competitive to start with? I'd say, you know, um, so overall, all the research that I'm seeing about international development is that kind of the future of it is, yeah, of course, there's, there's priorities on things like health, uh, democracy and governance, um, food security, uh, the environment, you know, and, and if you have an interest in those particular topics, then great, by all means, you know, learn about the, those topics and become, you know, fluent with the terms and things right. like that. But overall, I'd say the future of international development, at least, you know, for, for most of any, any RPCV that's sort of, you know, that would be listening to this or interested is to be a highly adaptable generalist. So, you know, for example, like Denise. yeah, like, like Denise was saying though, like, you know, USAID, fun, like international development is basically, there's a few different players, obviously, with the UN and the humanitarian system and things like that in the EU and, you know, bilateral and, and other you know, organizations, you know, Australia has a big, you know, role in their region, for example, in the, in, um, the South, you know, South Pacific, um, you know, obviously the UK um, yep. and, 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 you know, France in, in West Africa, but USAID, I mean, with, with just billions of dollars in funding, um, it, it funds the overwhelming majority of you know, of big US-based international development organizations. So, you know, if you work for a Chemonix or a FHI 360 or Lumont or, you know, CNFA or Relief International or, or Catholic Relief Services, um, all these organizations are anywhere between like 70 to 99% uh, dependent on US government funding. And, you know, that's right. USAID, that's, uh, you know, uh, USAID yeah. Food for Peace, that's US Department of Agriculture, um, you know, Title II funding, uh, and there's and State Department, Bureau of Population, Refugees and Migration, that kind of stuff. So um, government contracting and government grants and government cooperative agreements all share a lot of similarities. Uh, yeah. So, you know, the budgeting, the proposal writing, the monitoring and evaluation, it's all very relatively consistent. There's minor differences in, in um, the way organizations will organize and prioritize, you know, monitoring and evaluation and things like that. Um, so that's something you know that maybe particular to the organization you're working for, but I mean, once you've worked for a USAID implementing partner, the skills are transferable across the industry. So that's really you know the easiest bet that I can you know set my my students on is to basically just prepare, um, you know, to be ready to enter into that world and to know these basic things, you know, program design. Yeah. Um, program, you know, setting up, uh, you know, a program evaluation plan, monitoring and evaluation plans, results, yeah. frameworks, logic models, all that stuff. I mean, it sounds tedious. And, you know, a lot of, you know, I'm sure maybe like Denise in particular would be like, oh God, not another logic model. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, yeah, it's, it's important. And, it, and, and this is the, you know, sort of nuts and bolts of, of getting in. Once you're in, 
you know, you can, you can make your own way and you can, you can prioritize different things. I mean, I, I've jumped around a lot, especially when I was at IRD, I was on like four different teams and I got tasked with a bunch of different things. I, I helped audit a security subcontract, uh-huh. you know, for our, we had a, a $60 million security subcontract in Iraq that I was right. working on an audit for, for a long time. So I learned a lot about like compliance at that time. I got to be acting country director in Niger for several weeks when we had a country director that we had to let go for corruption. Oh, wow. Um, so I became <laughs> a, yeah, yeah, well, you know, they have rebranded for a reason, but um, yeah. <laughs> in any case, <laughs> um, you know, um, yeah, it was a very fascinating uh, experience in my life. You know, having worked for three different organizations that, you know, were in very different places when I worked for them. I mean, when I worked for IRD, they were like the third you know, like when Denise was there, they were huge and super successful. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, you know, billions of dollars you know, there's air on chairs across headquarters. Everything's new. There's, you know, refrigerators stocked with, you know, all the sodas and drinks and there's all coffee and everything everywhere. It's, I like the you know, Facebook really nice. and Google of today. <laughs> yeah. Very slick. It was, you know, I was like, what's the catch, you know, <laughs> um, in any case, uh, then, uh, yeah. And, but the other thing was though, working for them, it was fascinating because, um, they were like 99% dependent on USAID funding. They had no real donor constituency. And uh, and they were dependent on, they were dependent on USAID. You couldn't rob Peter to pay Paul. So for example, I couldn't use money from, you know, a food security project that, you know, is supposed to be used on the food security project. I couldn't use I that know. to do an assessment for another project, you know, or, you know for, for business development. So we we're very constrained in that way. Same thing with Relief International. They were much smaller when I was there. They were kind of in like a low time. Um, and so, you know, we just had the money that we had for our projects and, and you know, we didn't really have the donor constituency um, to, to fund, you know, stuff that we needed to do or that we wanted to do. Fast forward, when I went to CRS, Catholic Relief Services being funded, um, obviously, you know, they have something like 70 to 75 or 80% of their money is from the U.S. government. But, you know, that other, you know, 25 to, you know, 20 to 30%, whatever it was, um, you know, of, of Catholic church money um they're able to raise money so quickly where they can just go and do things that they think that they think needs to be done and they can fund a lot of the the work um to set themselves up for success that they we certainly couldn't do at ird or or relief international things like staff training creating manuals creating the structure to really be successful it was just incredible i was in i was in south sudan uh in 2013 when things went really bad um, and in early 2014, I was, I was, uh, still working there and just to get, uh, you know, 20 or $30,000 to, to do an assessment, you know, to, to really do like a, a good assessment, hire a consultant, um, you know, do a bunch of even hiring a consultant was sort of like, why do we have to hire a consultant? Why don't we have this talent inside? Because we don't have the money, the overhead money to, to just pay for uh, you know, a, a program development person that has true, you know, humanitarian capacity um, right. to do an, and the time to do to go out and do an yeah. assessment. And so I get to CRS and it's like, so, I mean, I had gone through this fight to get a consultant to go to South Sudan to, you know, do something. Um, fast forward, I end up in um, with Catholic Relief Services, just as an example. Like I said, the Nepal earthquake happens on a Saturday. By Tuesday, I'm on a plane and I'm gone for four weeks you know, this was like, I got there four days after the, you know, the big earthquake, we'd already had five uh, humanitarian response department, technical advisors there 
for three days, they'd already done an assessment and there's a big, you know, 25 page report and plan on exactly what we wanted to do. By the end of that week, we could commit $5 million for five years um, to earthquake wow. relief. And that was all privately raised money. And, and so we could just get going and just do stuff without having to worry about, uh, oh my gosh, should we write a proposal for this? Or, you know, will USAID fund this? And because USAID doesn't want to fund startup, you know, they, they want you to already be working there. Even the UN, the UN doesn't want to fund your startup and buying vehicles and, you know, renting an office and all that stuff. They want you to just be already there and have capacity. And so, you know, um, that, that was a fascinating uh, lesson, you know, in, in, in working for an international development organization. Absolutely. No, yeah. absolutely. So with, with your uh, experience really, you know, uh, working with people and helping them, you know, go into international development, I guess my, my final uh, question, time goes so quickly here when we're having fun and chatting, yeah, um, is just how um, many times when I'm talking to return Peace Corps volunteers and they're interested in getting into international development and they've been working in something else and they want to get into it, or you could say back into it from, you know, their Peace Corps service way long ago, whatever, but they don't have those skills like, um, you know, the monitoring evaluation, although sometimes I make a case that they may have that to some degree, because did they do their, you know, uh, different, you know, even in Peace Corps, the very, you know, your, your um, different assessments that you did with, you know, if you did a USAID funded grant, the, you know, your, your uh, PEPFAR, you know, kinds of grants, that kind of thing. But people who, how, how can they get, I guess, my, my question is, how can people get the fund, the, 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 the um, writing experience, the grant writing, the, the types of experience that makes you more competitive for, you know, international development positions before you've had, are there free or low you know, fee resources online people can tap into? What's your experience yeah. been? That's great. That's a great question. I refer a lot of my students to uh, disasterready.org. Um, you can, you know, put the great. link in maybe the show notes great. or something. Um, but I, a lot of my students, I refer them to there. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, the platform is cornerstone on demand. It's the same learning platform that CRS used to use, or maybe they still okay. use it for, um, uh, for their internal learning program. It's a great learning platform. You can monitor all of your classes, um, all at once. I noticed that I think Denise you collaborated with uh, Humentum at some point, uh, I, there were inside NGO. I went to their conference. Uh, in 2014, yeah. no, 2015, right before it was, you know, the summer before I started this job. Um, and uh, Disaster Ready gave a really good presentation uh, oh, that's great. about it. So it's this Disaster Ready, and the sister organization is called nonprofitready.org, all one word. Nice. Tons of free classes there. Uh, EdX has really good classes. Um, there's oh, a couple, there's a couple others, but Disaster Ready is really like the good foundation where you can, you know, proposal writing, monitoring, and evaluation humanitarian essentials, you know, um, and, and sector specific uh, advice. My clients, thank you. And every listener to this podcast, thanks you for that. Thank you sure. so much, Scott. You have been so informative. Thanks, uh, we, are going, we are going to actually move on to our third and final guest very briefly before having a few questions um, for perhaps all guests, but let's take a quick station break first. As a reminder, this is Jobs with Jody, a podcast made by and for the RPCV community. Today, I'm chatting with international development professionals about their own experience. And I've been talking with Scott Webb and Denise Wales, both seasoned international development professionals. And at this point, we're going to actually 
welcome here our third guest who's Paul Sherman from the Society of International Development Washington chapter which he's going to tell you a little more about the organization but uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful organization that's out there for the international development field. He is the director of programs and manages the organization's programming efforts including chapter institutional member special work groups and workshop events and he also co-directs their social media and communication efforts paul welcome thank you so much for being here we're excited to hear from you and i'd love you to just start by sharing a little more about yourself and the organization of sid that has been such a great partner sid washington uh with peace corps yes uh thanks for having me jody uh it's exciting to be be here um yeah, so on Sid Washington, you know, we, you know, it's been great to work with the Peace Corps and return Peace Corps volunteers, uh, at least since I've been at CW, I've been at CW for about five years. Uh, so it's really been a pleasure to work with all of you and the events that we've done, uh, some of the smaller events, I know we've done events with Peace Corps volunteers in the past, um, right. our, CV, our PCVs, as well as, you know, obviously the our big marquee events, which I'm sure most folks know us by, like our annual conference and our annual- And the career fair. Of course. And Lots of RPCVs participated and loved that. They had very good things to say about it, Paul. So thank you for putting that on. Of course, yeah. Oh, I can't take the credit. That's all, all my colleagues and, uh, and our and our uh, our, uh, lead, our leader, Catherine, who helped put those together. I'm just here taking orders and doing what I need to do to make sure the event runs <laughs> Um, but really, you know, that's, I think that's, as I said, I think people mostly know us from that, you know, all the, the, those events where, you know, I can get into more detail about those, those specifically, but really, I think what people see, what you'd see from us outside of that, because obviously those are only, you know, four or five days a year, um, is our, our events that we do throughout the course of the year. And we usually host somewhere between about 45 and 55 events every year in a normal year. Um, COVID that's still been the same. We've done about similar numbers too. So They've just been all virtual. <laughs> exactly. Just like, yes. But 30 so, to 40 events is a lot. Yeah. yeah. And we're a small team too. I'm, you, yeah. I'm only one of six full-time staff. So we're, you know, making sure we can run those as, as effectively as possible. But, you know, we, as I said, you know, that's what we're doing throughout most of the year. Uh, we have, I said, doesn't matter, like all topics, really everything you can possibly think of, you know, from our work group events that you mentioned, that are you know smaller, focused on you know one specific aspect of international development, whether it be environment sustainability, inclusive development, as Denise very much knows because she was the co-chair of that work group for three years. Uh, so really, just the, those are uh, I think are the, the the event type we host the most frequently, and really I think get to the point, it, it get really narrow it down in terms of what uh, the. Uh, sectors focusing on in those particular uh, parts of these industry, but that's you know that's one part of the pro our programming. You know we we have events for our members, obviously, whether they're you know in just individual or employees of institutional members. Uh, we have a wide range of programming that occurs throughout the course of the year. So there's a little bit of something for everybody, um, and we're hoping that you know everyone can really enjoy what we're doing. Well, and, and one of the things I love about, you know, Sid Washington and, you know, you're, you have people who are just starting to get into the field, mm -hmm. but then you have seasoned professionals like Scott and Denise, who I think both are members and or have maybe even had leadership roles in some one way or another in the past um, with Sid Washington. So I think it's, it's a great, I see it as such a great opportunity for, to connect with people who are already in the field 
and explore and learn and from these trainings that they do, right? The courses and such that are done, uh, member only and the ones that are open to the general public. Um, I think that's those are wonderful and very helpful. And that really brings me to uh, one thing. I want you to tell me a little more about the conference that's coming up at the end of May. I believe it's May 26th and 27th. What is that going to focus on and how can RPCVs get involved? And very kindly on a on a uh, complimentary basis. I know yes. you all have been supportive of the RPCVs, the evacuees, everything they've been through, and awesome. you've just really opened your doors and helped us in so many ways. So I'd love to hear a little more about that conference coming up. Right. Yeah, no, we're happy to, you know, bring our, our PCVs to the table for our conference. And really, you know, it's part of, I think, a broader initiative on our part to really get as many folks as engaged in our events as possible, really. And that's not just DC. That's really, you know, everywhere throughout the world, you know, uh, we really had many different countries represented at our annual conference back in, um, right. in October and it's the same case for our career fair as well. So we really had, you know, wide representation across the board and we're really hoping that stays the same and continues. And we do believe that will be the case for our conference, as you said, coming up on May 26th and 27th, which, you know, that's coming up pretty soon. <laughs> um, sure but, is. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, really, I think it's, you know, for those who don't know the conference, it's really a great opportunity the biggest thing I think what draws folks to it is networking. It really is a great opportunity for folks to network with those who are, you know, everybody interested yeah. in international development. Yes, as you as you said, Jody, with our audience, that there are some folks who have been there, done that many, many times before, have been involved in the conference and done it, um, you know, for many years, whether it's, you know, being involved as a sponsor, uh, whether it's being involved on the, like being an actual attendee at the event. Um, folks have been engaged in a lot of different ways and for quite a while. That being said, we also have a wide range of folks and it's not just, you know, folks who have like 20 years of experience. That's not, you know, I think that's one of the, the, the beauty, one of the beauties of Sid Washington is that we have such a large and expansive network. So you really can get in touch, you know, if you're a young professional, you can really get in touch with someone who has 20 years of experience or vice versa, or if there's, you know, everything in between. Um, and retirees too, I don't want to forget about that as well. So there really, I think, are a lot of audiences that participate, which is great. That being said, I think with the conference, you know, as I said, that's so one side of that's the networking. It's really great from that standpoint. But also to just the content itself and what we're doing, I think, you know, with this year, you can go to our website um, or, uh, and see what the agenda is and what we've posted already. And we have a lot of really interesting programming coming up, whether that's, you know, we're having a pretty heavy focus on D, DEI, uh, on diversity and racial, uh, race, racial issues within international development. That's gonna be in the focus quite a bit this year. Um, you know, or what we're talking about with, with climate, we're gonna have, that's gonna be a pretty big focus as well on environmental issues. Um, so there are gonna be a lot of really interesting panel discussions, plenaries, conversations, uh, and, you know, so that's, I think, going to be great as well, but also, too, there will be other really interactive pieces to it as well, what, you know, from having a uh, innovation showcase, where you can actually, we had a competition to uh, select a few different in really interesting projects um, that folks can hear about, uh, you know, there will be, as I said, opportunities for networking, where you can go to a table and talk about a certain topic and a roundtable discussions, uh, and obviously, the usual parts of the conference where like you'll have opportunities to actually uh visit quote unquote like you know booths virtual booths and actually get to um see what organizations are doing and what they're working on so 
really a lot of the pieces that existed with the conference previously will still exist just as we, as we did last year will be in a different form um so we're really excited about it i think it's going to be a real really great robust program and i'm hoping folks can join us and as i said uh with the last point you mentioned um if you're if our, we are offering um complimentary tickets to our pcvs um so if you're interested feel free to reach out to jody to get more information and the code for how you can get involved get uh access to those tickets we really would like to see you at the conference as we did with the career fair uh, earlier this year exactly no that is that is great and they can always reach me at my short email is just the one that's our uh, jody at rpcv.org and that's jody with an i jody at rpcv.org and i'd be happy to talk to you about that i really hope that several rpcvs will take um take you up on that very kind offer and this great networking opportunity so i realize that time flies here when we're having a great conversation and all of that um i would love to at this point open it up to to all of our panelists here and just ask for each of you to just share maybe your parting words any parting words of advice you would have for in particular the rpcv population that maybe hopes to work in get into break into international development or you know move within it what what is your what are your parting words of advice denise would you like to start um sure i was hoping i was actually looking forward to hearing scott so he gave oh, a lot right. of I'm fine either way. <laughs> but um, but I'm happy. No, I'm happy to say I would I think I I I do strongly feel that it it's the networking. And as you said, that it is a great big family. People are willing to talk, willing there's a variety of experiences, not just in international development, but people have brought their Peace Corps experience um home domestically too. So there's there's so many um possibilities. Uh, and I know I do feel strongly that people are willing to talk. And as Absolutely. Paul said, Sid Washington um is a great way to network as well. And so it's I know that there's always a feeling of um trepidation, you know, that first cold call or cold email, but um <laughs> just go for it. We're willing, we're willing and we understand what where you are in your career path and looking forward to helping that is wonderful denise and i always add to that little tidbit you know just make that call realizing that you might be making their day they're probably going to be loving talking with you it's a break from whatever they're doing and any kind of monotony so wonderful thank you for that <laughs> advice and scott how about you that's great advice i appreciate that uh denise like i was i, I could echo that um networking you know there's uh a huge you know, you said 200,000 plus people, you know, who've done Peace Corps that are out there. They're all on, you know, a, a lot of them are on LinkedIn. Um, and, you know, a lot of people from the last 10, 15, 20 years are in, you know, senior positions now. Um, so, you know, definitely uh, use that network. Uh, on a more micro level, um, I'd say, you know, and uh, Jody, you would put this as one of the kind of questions, you know, in the, in the prep thing that maybe we didn't yeah. get to, but like this, this aspect of uh, being detail oriented, you're looking at like potential pitfalls or mistakes that people make. Right. Um, you know, I'd say, you know, have a really good resume, have it looked over by a bunch of different people. Yeah. Um, when you're looking at your resume 10,000 times, you, you just, you see it so much that you don't see the errors. Exactly. You've passed over 10,000 times because your, your, your eyes are not trained to find them because right. for whatever reason. So yeah, have other people look at it, um, have a couple different versions, but always personalize it for the position you're applying to and Absolutely. always pay attention to what you are putting. I had I had a student a few years ago 
um, who you know applied to a job at Tesla where his letter said how excited he was to work for Volvo. Exactly. So, that no. happens. <laughs> so don't don't do that. Uh, that student <laughs> ended up fine. He ended up figuring things out. He ended up getting a job somewhere else, but you know, not at Tesla. <laughs> not impressive. <laughs> yeah. So please, you know, yeah. So just uh, detail orientation. Keep at it. Uh, apply to a lot of places, um, and it'll it will work out. It will work out. Yep, and hold on to that optimism is what I also say, right? It's even when it's been a long time and you know you're you're getting frustrated, keep that positivity because that comes through and you 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 will get something eventually. Thank you, Scott. And finally, Paul, do you have anything you'd like to add from Sid Washington's perspective? Any tips or advice for for our RPCVs? Uh, yeah, I think I'll just echo what Denise and Scott said. And I'm not, you know, obviously I please join Sid Washington. I think that's the biggest thing, <laughs> you know, Wonderful. That, um, you know, as Denise mentioned, but you know, um, in all seriousness, seriousness, I think, you know, it is a great, like we're, it is a great place to network and meet folks and really right. get, um, uh, that opportunity to, uh, figure out you know, what the industry is about. I think that's the biggest thing for us is that you get to what the, there's such a wide range of organizations that we're involved with that you get to see. So I think that's the thing. Um, so that can help you a lot. Um, particularly if you're just starting out and trying to find your way in, in the field. Um, because, you know, from a content standpoint, you can figure out exactly, you know, what interests you, but also from organizationally, you can figure that out as well. Um, also to yeah, echoing what Scott said, detail, being detail oriented, that's just so huge. Um, if you're not, yeah. you know, and it, it, like I've seen like when, you know, cause we, you know, I, I was taking care of the, you know, the hiring processes for our interns and some other, other hiring processes too. And the one thing I see is like when, you know, something's out of place, I mean, the small, you know, you're not going to catch everything and you understand that you might not catch everything, but really try to catch as much as you can. Cause like people will pay attention right. to those small things sometimes. And there are, there's, there's variation in it. Not everyone will view certain things the same way. Um, right. But I think if you want to be really safe, make sure you've caught like, you know, the smallest, you know, like comma out of place or, you know, the, like, like extra spaces, like even those things seem really small. Sometimes people might take them the wrong way. So really just, if you want to be really safe, just make sure you've caught everything you possibly can um, yeah. uh, just to make, just to be safe. Um, but other than that, I think, you know, I think Denise and Scott covered it. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. I just want to thank our special guests from the international development sector, Denise Wales, Scott Webb, and Paul Sherman. And thank you listeners for your support. You can find this and all other Jobs with Jody podcasts on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and, and many of the other areas where you download your podcasts. Uh, lastly, if you do have any ideas for a topic for a future podcast, please let us know by emailing careers at peacecorpsconnect.org, subject line podcast topic. We look forward to hearing from you and have a great day, everyone.